like daylight savings didn't fuck up everybody. Right? I'm fucking exhausted, but that's also because Felix just doesn't leave me alone in the middle of the night anymore. He just needs to snuggle at all times. And some people wouldn't complain about a cat wanting to snuggle them. I, I wouldn't complain about a cat wanting to snuggle them, but Felix is approximately the size and the weight of a three to four month old baby. So it's not a cat anymore. It is a child, which I never signed up for. That's true. And it's like co-sleeping with the child. Same fears such as what if I roll over on top of said child and cr child and crush it. The only difference is that child's fingernails are remarkably less sharp. Yeah. But yeah. So that's where I'm at. That's where that's we're all time. at. The good news is I was so, what's the word that, unmotivated to, <laughs> to always starts off good, right? To change the clocks in my car from last time we switched. But now they're right? Now they're right. Look at that. <laughs> all you got to do I'll is get to it. perseverance. Wait it out. Wait it out and forget how to change it and be too lazy to pull over and look in the manual. Yep. My mom was talking about getting the second alarm clock because she keeps forgetting how to change the time on the one that she has. She's well, like, ah, it's just e it would be easier to have two separate ones. I'm like, listen to yourself right now. I'm. Uh, what about her phone? No. No? She can't, she can't use her phone as an alarm clock. Why not? I don't know. We're not getting into it. What I'm going to get your about? mom a Google Home Mini. Hey, she Google. Oh, no, no, no. Never mind. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> I forgot that I had one. <laughs> we're talking about we're talking about Dean Coral. Fun. Um, yes. And I, I'm just terrified. But and now I'm getting a notification from Google saying you rang. Not literally, but. Get off my ass, Google. <sighs> so needy like ugh. i have Rude. mine next to the tv and anytime somebody on tv says something remotely close to that it goes on it's like sorry i didn't understand you like i wasn't talking to you they'll they'll so ours won't will sometimes do that but other times so i have the one in the living room which is where my my setup is that it like butt ups when it yeah like so because i can't always see it light up and i need to know that it hears me when i'm speaking to it um because that's how my brain works so we'll be like watching tv and all of a sudden it'll be like boop and i'll be like go away no you're not needed <laughs> goodbye <laughs> but yes we are talking about dean coral today we've had a few people request this episode it's um, a doozy it is a doozy like this was one also where I was like, hmm, I think I've heard of this one. And then the the further I get into it, they're like, this is one of the worst serial killers in the history of the United States. And I was like, oh, that's how I've heard of him. Yeah, it's a slow burn heavy hitter. Yeah, he also beat the serial killer's record at the time by, spoiler alert, two bodies for being Damn. the like most prolific serial killer in Texas. Yeah. And I was like, well, shit. Yeah, it everything's me. bigger in Texas. It it surprises me how a lot of people haven't heard of him or know yeah. the name, but like can't rattle off all of the uh, the info oh, like I you can yeah. with like Ted Bundy and stuff. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Especially because, I mean, Ted Bundy had the whole thing where he was the co-ed killer. He was so subjectively handsome. Eh. And that's why I said subjective. (laughs) We've Um, we've talked about it before. I mean, if you're into, if you're into the whole, like... If you're into generic white man. If you're into generic white men that look like the love child of Chris D'Elia and Bert from Sesame Street, then sure. Yeah. Yeah. But so we're talking about Dean Coral. His nicknames were the Candyman and mm-hmm. the Pied Piper, both of which are... Don't bode well. Well, don't bode well, but also like pretty descriptive, pretty pretty accurate. Yeah. But um, if we want to hop right into it... Let's go for it. So Dean Arnold Coral was born on December 24th, 1939 in Fort Wayne, Indiana to Mary Emma Robinson and Arnold Edwin Coral. And according to the Sumter Daily Item, a relative said that Coral's parents, quote, never were happy, end quote. <laughs> so that's always wow. fun. <laughs> Great. So that's what we're starting off with. He was born into an unhappy in, into an unhappy marriage. Just unhappy life all around. Just unhappy life all around. Um, his dad was super fucking strict. His mom was overprotect overprotective to the point of like helicopter parent. Okay. To her kids, um, and then put that together, and they're constantly fighting and regular just, ward and june cleaver over here just the recipe of a just a well-adjusted person that's going to be a contributing member to society at every turn yes yes oh and it gets better so they finally out. divorced in 1946 when coral was seven and his younger brother stanley was four which also that's kind of a big deal because like you didn't do that in the like, in the 40s in the 40s, 40s and the 50s like you did not like i talked to my grandma about this and she was like in the 50s even kind of in the 60s she was like you did not do that like yeah, the solution taboo. is wasn't just like oh get a divorce like you couldn't do that and especially as a woman you can't get a credit card you can't open a bank account like no shit you can't get a divorce <laughs> like i mean it could be different in different parts of the country because i true. think like here in the burbs it would be definitely like talked about but i don't know if like in more rural type texas it wasn't as as seen as as bad maybe well, i don't know they're in indiana which is oh kind indiana of, sorry yeah, yeah they're he, in he fort wayne in indiana Texas. yeah that's very in that's my opinion small americana yeah. yeah um so after the divorce coral's dad was drafted into the u.s air force so his mom even though like his parents hated each other they like respected each other as parents if that makes sense uh-huh so his mom sold the family home, moved the boys to a trailer home in Memphis, Tennessee, which is where he was stationed, Coral's dad was stationed, so that her sons could stay in contact with their dad. That's good. Yeah. So, like, broken home, but not so broken that it's like, oh, I never see my dad. I don't keep in contact with my dad, blah, blah, blah. So that same year, Coral got rheumatic fever which went undiagnosed for too long until the doctors found that he had a heart murmur. And so as a result, he basically could no longer participate in like school sports or gym class or anything that involved like too much physical activity. Uh Uh-huh. So this combined effect of 
medical problems, health problems, moving to a new place, coming from a broken home. All of that made him very shy, very like, I guess you could say like insecure. Uh-huh. Um, so while he still cared for his peers, he he wanted them to like be it wasn't like, oh, fuck these kids. Um, and that's why he wasn't socializing with them. He just he was too shy to socialize with them. So he mm-hmm. didn't really have any friends. He was a loner. Um, but nevertheless, his teachers always saw him as the ideal student, well-behaved, smart, always getting good grades. So, I feel like you get into a lot more trouble as a child when you got a lot of friends. Because you got a lot of people to fuck around with in class. I wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I had to, like, there were definitely classes where I needed to be separated from people because we were goofing around too much and i feel like that happens a lot more often if you've got a lot of people to goof around with if you don't have a lot of friends you're just kind of sitting there learning i mean arguably we goofed around so much that the universe said these two need to be separated and created a whole pandemic so that's true i'm not i'm not i'm picking up what you're putting down i'm not too far away from that and your college was like (laughs) these people need to be separated because this chick doesn't even go here And this other chick only half goes here. Yeah. Um, But so in 1950, Coral's parents got back together and the family moved to Pasadena, Texas. Let me guess. Everything was great then. (laughs) They got back together because they were so in love. The family moved to Pasadena, Texas, comma, but they ultimately divorced for a second time in 1953. Ding, 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 ding. (laughs) Never get back with the person. It's not the parent trap. It's not going to work. You broke it's up not. for a reason. Learn from your yes. mistakes. Yes. At J-Lo and A-Rod, I'm looking at you, even though that's technically, they're, they're not together. They're just saying they're still together. Um, but more on that for the, for the I don't know. In a whole different our, podcast. Our, I was going to say our hot <laughs> goss podcast. Um, does People Magazine have a podcast? Do they want one? Can they use us? Um, so their divorce was amicable again. And although this time Robinson got sole custody of the boys, she like made sure that they stayed in regular contact with their dad. It is important um, to have like contact with both your parents if like the breakup yeah. is is decent and you're like, okay, well, we're not together because we absolutely can't stand each other, but like that shouldn't be um that shouldn't be like on our children that we can't yeah. get along. It's not their fault. Well, and they have one thing in common, at least, and that's that they love their kids. Yeah. So then Robinson married a traveling clock salesman named Jake West. Yep. That, yep. that year is the, the only thing. year that that job was a job. Oh, absolutely. Oh, no absolutely. other time is there a need or a want for a traveling clock Wanna salesman. Want to buy a watch? <laughs> No, just clocks. He opens up his his jacket and it's just like yeah, part of my grandfather clocks. <laughs> yeah, oh, and that's probably why it's not a thing anymore because some people took away the fun for everybody else and turned it into something dirty. Maybe I don't know, or the internet and nobody uses clocks. One, no, but I mean, before the internet, people were walking around with nothing under their jacket. Except for clocks. Pretending to be clock salesmen? Clock and a cock. That's it. (laughs) That's your business. 
that's the business clocks let's start clocks. a business clocks and clocks we sell dildos and clocks and that's it perfect um i think i think we'd stay in business longer than at least a traveling clock salesman i guess um, how was their marriage uh, we'll get there um the family moved to the small town of vidor texas and in 1954 coral enrolled at vidor high school and at this point he was still a good student and considered to be something of a loner Though he did date a couple of girls, but really his only interest, love, whatever you want to call it, was the school's brass band and not for friends, just because he loved playing the trombone. Good for him. <laughs> All right. I mean, not good for him. He ends up being, spoiler alert, like a sick fuck, but. I, I mean, at this point, if any of you, you. Get it where you can. If any of you just fucking love band, there's a lot of people that do. Yeah. Nothing wrong I mean, with that. Yeah. Do do you. You do you. Um, so a year later in nineteen fifty five, Coral's mother gave birth to his half sister, Joyce. And at the vi- the advice of a pecan salesman, Coral's mother and stepfather, I know, I know. I know. <laughs> salesmen. I don't fucking Why? know. Why? Why are you know. selling these things? I don't know. I don't know. I so here's my theory. I, I wasn't able to find out much. It. I also should have prefaced with this. So I found a lot of information and not a lot of information about Dean Coral in this case, in that there were a lot of articles, but some of them were unchecked or I could okay. not verify. They, yeah, the, they're not reliable. Yes. And so that's why this is also pretty bare bones considering. Okay. Um, however, I have a feeling, let's call it, that the pecan salesman gave this advice not out of the goodness of his heart, but because he needed to make a sale. This is why. Sometimes you'll he say advised, anything. Um, and I think that's exactly what happened because he advised um that they basically buy a fuck ton of pecans. And so Coral's mother and stepfather started a small family candy company in their garage, which they named Pecan Prince. Sure. P-R-I-N-C-E, okay. like royal. Okay. So Coral and his siblings worked day and night while attending school. Obviously not like the baby, but his brother uh-huh. um, worked day and night while attending school to help the, the family get their business off the ground. Um, they ran candy making machines they packed the candy and then his stepfather would then sell the candy on his sales route to houston and ultimately the family moved there in 1958 after cole graduated high school to open up a pecan prince shop because sales were so good in that area all right pecan sales are booming pecans are a hot commodity apparently pecan so much so i know i know and that's how michael <laughs> pronounces them and he constantly gives me shit for that but i'll say I was it raised as, the i'll right say way. it as the person who said it before me says it like i don't have a, a preference until somebody has said it previously okay okay i thought you meant like you you learned it i think i learned how, how the person who came before you said it and i was like so your parents your parents said it, and then you were like, that's how it's pronounced. I think that's how we all did it. No, no I'm I see from Jersey. Saying. Nothing's pronounced correctly. Well, and it's also, it's like when somebody starts speaking with an accent, and you very slowly... Oh, yes. <laughs> Unsolicited Elliot. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like when you have 
it, it's like when you somebody's speaking with an accent and you start to like very slowly take on that accent and it's like i'm not making fun of you i'm just absorbing by osmosis this accent um but so two years later in 1960 coral moved to indiana at his mother's request to care for his grandmother after the death of his grandfather and a relative later told the Sumter Daily Item, quote, he knew she'd be alone and would need someone to take her to church and places. He got a job up there, stayed with his grandmother two years, but he always managed to send a little money to his mother down here, end quote. What a sweet art. Yeah, that's one word for it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so while in Indiana, he continued to be antisocial. But he did apparently date a local girl who proposed at some point, but he what? turned her down. So what a fucking idiot! You had <laughs> you've had no prospects. Uh, and you turned a down for the no prospects, but also she dodged a fucking bullet. I'm yeah. not mad. I'm not mad at the lack of marriage between these two. Also, brave girl going full Sadie Hawkins, being like, "Let's get married." Love it. Um. It's like when the really loud girl dates the really quiet guy. Not that I would know anything about that. And she's like, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to get married. (laughs) Good for her. (laughs) So (laughs) Coral then returned home to Houston in 1962 to help with the family business as his mother's marriage began to fall apart. You called it. Wow. Again? Who'd have thunk? Yeah, so he tried to help him out, but the couple ended up getting a divorce in 1963. His mother then started her own candy company, the Coral Candy Company in Houston Heights, where she served as president. Oh, you bet. She served as president. Coral served as vice president. His brother served as secretary and treasurer. And his stepsister Joyce, or his um, half-sister Joyce, served as the assistant. We are family. Yes, I'm not singing along, but yes. Uh, (laughs) Full um, family operation. There we go. So while Coral was working for the company, a teenaged male employee complained to Robinson that Coral was making sexual advances toward him. But rather than address the situation, Coral's mom simply fired the boy. I mean, that's that's one way to. To take care of that. Yeah. Not the right way. Out of sight, out of mind. No, it's not the right way. It's a way. Um, So a year later, on August 10th, 1964, Coral was drafted into the U.S. Army and sent to Fort Polk, Louisiana. I don't know why I wrote Illinois. It's not Illinois. It's Louisiana. (laughs) Um, So he was sent to Fort Polk to attend basic training. And then he was stationed at Fort Benning, Georgia, to train as a radio repairman before being permanently stationed at Fort Hood in Texas. Yes, that Fort Hood. Um, Great track record at Fort Hood. So according to official military records, Coral was a good soldier. He didn't really, like, step a toe out of line. However, he allegedly hated military service and wanted out as soon as he could. So he said that he was needed in his family's candy business and asked for a hardship discharge, which was granted. And he was honorably discharged on June 11th, 1965 after only 10 months of service. So you got honorably discharged because you got to go sell candy. Yep. Yep. He's the candy man. Huh? Okay. (laughs) All right. Sounds fake, but okay. Yeah. Um, 
So he then returned to his mother's to work at his mother's company, um, continued, like picked right back up, taking making advances towards male employees, young male employees. Um, allegedly worked the first time. Oh, yeah. Worked out real well. Yep. Um, allegedly, when he came back, he told some of his friends that he while he was in the army, realized he was gay and he also had his first sexual encounters as a gay man while in the army. Okay. Um, friends also noticed that after he left, like after he was discharged and got back to Houston, Coral exhibited some subtle behaviors that indicated he was gay when he was around teenage boys. Huh. So in 1967, Coral met a 12-year-old boy named David Owen Brooks. The two became very close. They would even go on trips together. And Brooks looked up to Coral and basically considered him to be like a substitute father. He was a father figure to him. Okay. So a year later in 1968, Coral's mother decided she was closing the We Are Family candy company and moving to Colorado. Hey, she's going to Colorado. She's fine. Retiring? She's cool. She's chill. Yeah, basically. Um, I mean, early retirement, because in my my research, I think she died in 2010. Oh, wow. Like, yeah, she died relatively recently. So did his father. Um, so, like, very early retirement. Uh-huh. But still. Um, so, Coral then was out of a job. So, he got another job testing electrical relay systems at the Houston Lighting and Power Company. And he was well-known in his community. They all saw him as a polite, quiet, neat, just bachelor. Um, So he's such an eligible bachelor. He's so single. He only hangs out with his male friends. Um, You know, that kind of bachelor. Boys. Yes. And boys. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Um, And and funny you should mention the boys because he Uh. was better known by local kids as the candy man because he gave out candy to all the neighborhood kids. I wonder why, Caitlin. I don't know, because the pecans are so good, I guess. It's that pecan salesman. He really Mm. just planted a seed. So Coral had a good rapport. You're welcome. (laughs) Um, He had a good rapport with all the kids, but he really seemed to have a way with troubled teenage boys and had no difficulty away. Um, And later he would have his way. Yeah, I know. I hate myself. Um. But so he had no difficulty getting along with them, earning their trust, and basically just was like, he was the cool older brother kind of type, or father, cool father figure kind of type. Like, he was a male figure. Um, I should also mention that Houston Heights at the time, I don't know what it's like now, I haven't been, um, wasn't the most savory neighborhood, so that also kind of helped Mm, with with his whole thing that he had going on. Yeah. So it was at this time also that the platonic father-son relationship between Coral and Brooks that had carried on for the past two years escalated, Mm -hmm. and he began paying Brooks to perform oral sex on him. Brooks is about 14. Yep. So he literally was like, oh, I can't find my teenagers at work anymore, so I'm going to pick out a pre-teenager, groom him into teenager... And then there we go. Profit. Oh. Wow. So, right. yeah. So Coral abducted his first known murder victim, Jeffrey Conan, who was a student at the University of Texas in Austin, 
who was hitchhiking on November 25th, 1970. And after killing Conan, he buried his body at High Island Beach. Also at this time, Brooks caught Coral in the act of raping two teenage boys to whom he had st- whom he had strapped to a torture board. And we'll get to the torture board in a bit. Uh. But yeah. Um, so Coral bribed Brooks with the promise of buying him a car in exchange for his silence, which mm. Brooks accepted. And Coral murdered the boys and then brought and then bought Brooks a green Chevy Corvette. And thus began Coral's system of finding his victims. He offered to pay Brooks for each boy that he could lure to his apartment for him to rape and kill. Wow. Yeah. All right. So on December 13th, 1970, Coral raped and killed two boys that Brooks had lured to his apartment from a religious event. Um, about three weeks later, he raped and killed two more boys' brothers that I believe had been riding their bikes. They had been traveling or something. Mm. And when they went missing, and this will be a common theme, um, the police just told their father they had run away. Of course. So then on January 30th, 1971, Coral and Brooks lured two boys who were walking home to Coral's van and drove them back to his apartment where he raped and killed them before burying their bodies in his boat shed. And between March and May of 1971, Coral abducted and killed three more victims with the help of Brooks. And then on August 17th, Coral and Brooks met Reuben Haney, an acquaintance of Brooks, who was walking home from the movies. Coral abducted Haney, brought him home, and strangled him to death. Mm. So in the winter of 1971, Brooks lured Elmer Wayne Henley as a new victim for Coral. But for some reason, Coral decided not to kill him. Okay. Instead, he told Henley that he was now part of a human slavery ring and that he would pay Henley in exchange for any boy that he could lure to Coral's apartment, just as he did with Brooks. Huh. Yes. That's interesting so, that he went from this is my next victim to this is my next henchman. You know, I think I, I yes, but also this has been going on for the better part of a year now. And we always talk about escalation and everything. And I wonder if he was like, I mean, I could rape and kill this guy, but I could also have two people now bringing me young boys. Yeah. Double the boys, less likely to run out. I've been doing this for a year. I don't know how many more boys there are in the Houston Heights area that fit my profile that I'm looking for. Like, I think, I think from an escalation perspective, it makes sense that he would, I don't know why he picked Henley specifically, but it makes sense that he would be like, all right, well, let's see if we can like bump up this operation. Yeah, maybe. Um, But Henley was appalled and ignored Coral's offer for months. But then finally, at the beginning of 1972, he decided to accept when Henley's family began experiencing extreme financial difficulties oh, and he wanted rough. to help his family out. Yeah. So on March 24th, 1972, Coral Brooks and Henley met an acquaintance of Henley's, Frank Aguirre, who was on his way home from a restaurant. They convinced him to come with them back to Coral's apartment to drink some beer and smoke some weed. Um, Coral was also kind of, his his place was always kind of a hot spot for kids to party, like the young local kids to party. Kind of, it made me think of the movie Ma. 
if you've ever mm-hmm. seen that movie with Octavia Spencer, like, oh, this is where all the kids can party. But that, like, that they, was a John Wayne Gacy thing, too. Yeah. But I don't think this was a John Wayne Gacy thing. Among the partying, they would like huff materials, various yeah. arts and crafts materials. Fun. Um, if whippets existed, they'd probably be doing those too. But it did was a they? lot I don't of. Know if they did. I mean, I don't know. I really don't know. If you were hanging around in 1972, let us know if whippets were still a thing. They shouldn't even be a thing now. But you know, no. Um, but there were a lot of kids. A lot of kids would get high there. Um, kids, t- people talked about how like they were so high that like now they have gaps in their memory of like what it was Jesus. like to be there yeah and like one woman in one interview i read was like at one point there was a guy like who a teenager who was like convulsing and turning blue huh. and like evacuated and was foaming at the mouth because he had huffed too much and i was just like sitting there like yo like he's turning blue dean he's turning blue and at the time you didn't she was like i was a teenager like you don't think oh that's that's not good you just think oh he's turning blue and she's yeah. like i don't but i don't remember what happened Oof. yeah um and then there's the whole case of like some people were like i don't know if i want to remember which is understandable exactly yeah, um, yeah. because again all of this torturing is also going on where the party is exactly um yeah. just away from people but yeah so when they arrived at coral's house um coral pushed aguirre onto the table and handcuffed him henley then became concerned and tried to convince coral not to hurt him but in response coral killed the boy and revealed to henley that there was no human slavery ring and that he had also murdered and raped the last boy that henley had lured for him and yeah that's that's the conversation i can only imagine that went well um He then ordered Henley to bury the body at High Island Beach, and Henley, terrified, complied. However, according to Brooks later on, Henley was not actually disturbed by these events and terrified, but instead was a sadistic individual who also enjoyed these events and would murder boys on his own. Spoiler alert! Um, But nevertheless, teenage boys soon started to pop up missing all over the Houston Heights area, Like I said before, many, pretty much all of them were written off as runaways. One mother in an interview was basically saying that, like, the police trying to talk to them being like, my kid is missing. My kid would not run away. She said it was like talking to a wall. It was like slamming into a wall because they would just be like, oh, run away. Well, there was a lot of, like, back in that time and, like, even before, it was just written off that kids would just run away. Yeah, Just they didn't the try time. to look into it. Yeah. How many kids are running away? Like, I mean... I think it was more rampant back then. I mean, probably because hitchhiking was more rampant. Yeah. So I think people just went missing. And it was right around the era of the latchkey kid. Yeah. So that falls into it, too. Um, But yeah. So in total, Coral killed about 27 kids at least. Um, as he moved from one Houston Heights apartment to another to another until he finally was offered by his father to settle in his old house in Pasadena, Texas, which is a suburb of Houston. Uh So he did that. So then on August 8th, 1973, at about 3 a.m., 17-year-old Henley went to a party at 33-year-old Coral's house in Pasadena. 
with his 20-year-old friend Tim Curley and their 15-year-old friend Rhonda Williams, who, fun fact, had also allegedly been romantically involved with Aguirre, the the kid I just yeah, mentioned yeah. before. Um, Williams, basically Henley had told her that he would come back to her house for her after he had visited earlier in the evening. Um, Williams was, her mother was dead. Um, her father was an abusive alcoholic at the time when Henley said he was coming back for her. Her father was like drunkenly yelling, just like abusive vitriol at her. Mm. And she was very afraid of him. Um, and she, again, she's 15. So yeah. she's young. She's afraid. Um, she really doesn't want much to do with her father. She's also very small, very easy to like basically like knock around. Yeah. Um, so, so Henley was just like, I'll come get you. And this, I'm kind of piecing this together because different articles said different things. What I've gathered, please do not come for me. If this is not quite what I, first of all, I wasn't there. I was barely even alive then. Ba- by barely, I mean just like swimming around. But I, I, I don't know for okay. certain that this is what happened. But what I've gathered is Henley and Curly were at the party at Coral's house. Mm-hmm. Henley had been hanging out with Williams before the party. Henley was really one of the only, Williams was, um, her father, like, alienated all of her friends and just, like, was really trying, he was abusive. Yeah. Um, but Henley was one of the few friends of hers that he allowed to come over. He liked him. Okay. So Henley was over there. He said to Williams, I'm going to come back for you. Like, don't freak out. Williams packs an overnight bag. Then Henley says to his friend Curly, hey, like, meet me at this. We're going to leave Coral's house. I'm going to go get Williams. Meet us at this laundromat. Okay. So Henley goes to get Williams. They meet Curly back at the laundromat. And then they all go to Coral's house, Mm -hmm. to the party at Coral's house. Um, So that's where we are about right now. (laughs) Allegedly. Maybe. Perhaps. We'll see. Um, So Coral was furious that Henley and Curly brought a girl to his house, apparently. You know, not his type. Um, I guess. But Henley was able to calm Coral down and basically get the party started back up again. And Williams kind of knew that there was something wrong, that Coral was pissed about something, but she didn't quite know what, and she definitely didn't know that he was pissed. Like, hey, you're supposed to be bringing me boys. Like, you know what I mean? So they all smoked some pot, huffed some paint and some glue, um coral and williams drank some beer while the boys drank some moonshine that henley's dad had given him and they all ended up falling asleep at coral's house again when they arrive the second time it's like three in the morning yeah so hours later henley woke up to his ankles tied and coral in the process of handcuffing his wrists And he saw both Curly and Williams had been tied up with rope and their mouths were covered in electrical tape and Curly had been stripped naked. So Mm. Coral allegedly began yelling, I'm going to kill you all, but first I'm going to have my fun while Mm. waving a .22 caliber pistol and a large knife at Henley. Wow. Yeah. Great guy. So Henley tried to reason and plead with Coral. Um, He offered to help him. 
with the raping and the murdering and the torturing. He said Coral could torture and rape Curly and that he would rape and torture Williams Uh. before they killed them together and tried to treat it as like a, oh, like we can do this together, like bonding, you know, traditional masculine bonding. Uh Um. So after continuing to threaten Henley, Coral finally agreed and took off the handcuffs and the ropes. Um, Then he told Henley that he would kill him if he did not keep his word to cause harm to Williams. Jesus. Yes. Coral then took Williams and Curly into a bedroom that he had converted into a torture chamber, complete with the torture board that I mentioned earlier. Oh, yeah, that. Yeah. Oh, were you hoping I forgot? Uh. Um, So it was basically this long plywood board that had handcuffs on either side, uh, on one side, ropes on the other side, and then eye bolts at the corners to fasten restraints. And this is where he would put the teenage boys that he would torture, then rape, then kill to fuck with them physically and psychologically. And I don't mean fuck like have sex with, obviously. But um, like he did that too, but not as far as I could tell on the board. Um, that was more to like cause them like injury and yeah, this was like just psychological his, harm. Yeah, he was just into torture. Yes, it was. It, uh, so in high school, I know we're it's starting like a tangent. I promise. The psychology is like this: my friend in high school had this cat named Patches, who, as far as I know, is still kicking, probably still doing this to this day. And what she would do is she would go into their enclosed porch and she would catch moths, but she wouldn't kill the moths because that was too fun. She would rip their wings off and then slowly, like, I'm talking like a quarter of a mile an hour, just follow them as they tried to run away. Oh, no. And just keep following them and terrifying them and get really close. Like, we we would watch her do this. We were like, what the fuck is wrong with your cat? But that's that's like, yes. And that's like what um, Coral did. Like, he literally would just, he would fuck with their minds so much and break them emotionally and physically and just he was a real sicko wow um that's the technical term yeah um so coral handcuffed williams and curly's hands to the board and then tied their feet up with the rope henley then convinced coral to remove the tape from their mouths and coral gave henley the knife and told him to cut off williams's clothes so Coral attempted to rape Curly and he fought him as best he could. Meanwhile, Henley whispered in Williams's ear that he promised he wouldn't let anything happen to her. And she asked him not to cut off her shirt because the shirt she was wearing belonged to a friend and she didn't want it to get ruined. Oh. I know, 15. Um, so he cut her pants off instead and kept whispering apologies as he did so. And then That's Henley... even creepier, I think. What? The whispering apologies. That's fucked up. <laughs> I don't know. That that no, that he... made my skin crawl. All right. I might not have been specific earlier. He is not planning on raping her. He is But he... still the I don't know. I don't think, I feel like, I don't feel like it's creepy. I feel like he's trying to be like, listen, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to do this. Like, I'm not turning on you. Yeah, but he's, he's still doing it, which is, I don't know. But also the guy says to him, Coral says to him, if you don't do this, I will kill you. If he kills Henley, then all of them are dead. Yeah. Except for Coral. 
Um, so he's trying to do what he's got to do. I'm not saying it's a great thing to do, but I'm I'm I understand the predicament he is in. Uh. Um, not personally, but you know, hopefully never. Hopefully never. Um, so Henley then got up to go to the bathroom. So he said. And then he came back, grabbed the gun that Coral had left on the nightstand and pointed it at Coral and basically was like, this ends now. Uh-huh. And Coral's last words were allegedly, quote, kill me, Wayne, kill me. You won't do it, end quote. But spoiler alert, Henley did, in fact, do it. Good for him. Henley shot Coral six times. All right. He had it coming. Yeah. So, (laughs) yeah. Um, Henley, Curly, and Williams then called the police and went outside to wait for them. Um, The police at first doubted Henley's story uh, because Coral was, after all, the Candyman. Everybody loved the Candyman. But Henley explained to the police, quote, he had a lust for blood. It was either him or me right then, end quote. And when the police took a look around Coral's house, they found a series of knives guns, eight pairs of handcuffs, a gas mask, and I saved the best for last. Are you ready? Nine vulvas in a box? No, but you're very close. Oh, no. A 14-inch dildo and a tub of petroleum jelly in a box. Oof. Yeah! That'll wake you up. Oh, not a tub, a tube. I take that back. It's not a tub, it's a tube. Still bad. Still creepy. But not like like a Costco size, just like, you know, a tube. I mean, some people just have that stuff, though. I mean, I that, that one box really stuff, not good. just like various oh. knives and shit. I, I mean, I, I, I specifically have the petroleum jelly because it's a great moisturizer when your lips are super cracked in the winter. Yeah, I, I highly recommend. And plus, I've had the same jar since like fucking middle school. Those things last forever. There, you spend like a dollar on it, and this is now a deal podcast. And then- you spend like a dollar on it. <laughs> And I'm I'm a dad. I'm a dad. Somebody buy me New Balance. My birthday is in May. Um, so in one apartment they searched later um, that had bu- that had Coral had stayed in. Um, it was said that he had bulletproofed the bedroom door with a sheet of steel. Jesus. So yeah, yeah. So he was no stranger to you know doing fucked up shit. Yeah. And so then after seeing that and the bedroom with the torture board. They realized that Henley wasn't just some drunk and high high school dropout. He was telling the truth. Yeah. So Henley then called his mother on a... Because he called the police, but he hadn't called his mother. Oh, no. And so he called her on a television newsman's car phone and allegedly said to her, quote, Mama, Mama, I killed Dean, end quote. Jeez. Yeah. So Henley then told the authorities of Coral's killing spree and offered to lead them to the bodies of the boat shed and the other spots. Um, It didn't take long to find the first corpse. It was a boy who was approximately 13 years old when he died. Um, He fit the description of a youngster. I don't know why I said that. That was definitely something that I meant to say something else. Youngster is not in my vernacular. Um, Suddenly, I got possessed by an old woman. A whippersnapper who had gone out for a bike ride, um, but like a young kid who had gone out for a bike ride a few months earlier and never returned. Um, 17 victims were found in total at the boat shed. Reminder, there's 27. Yeah. 
They had been wrapped in plastic bags and sprinkled with lime. And a detective remarked to the L.A. Times, quote, the whole floor is covered with bodies, end quote. Yeah. So as the digging continued, the police rounded up Brooks, who told a story similar to Henley's, except while Henley swore that he only brought the boys to the parties and that Coral did all of the raping and torturing and killing, Brooks said both he and Henley had participated in the killings and the torture. Mm, Okay. And then Henley was forced to confess to some of these murders. Yeah. So Henley and Brooks then led investigators together to other burial sites near Sam Rayburn Reservoir and High Island Beach. And within a week, the Harris County police had found 27 corpses, all young males in varying stages of decomposition. Some were nothing but skeletons and others had not decomposed enough to hide the wounds that were indicative of the sadistic torture coral had subjected them to on the torture board Mm. so at the time investigators doubted that they'd be able to identify all the victims um dr joseph jakimzik jakimzik sure i i i there's a c and a z and a y in succession um He was the chief medical examiner for Harris County at the time, and he said, quote, there's a real possibility some of the bodies will never be identified, end quote. Meanwhile, oh, oh, you want to hear sad? It's funny you say that. Um, Parents from all over the world started calling the police department to see if their missing sons were among the dead, either for closure or hoping that it wasn't them. Yeah, I mean, that's another, like, Gacy thing. There are yeah. still, like, five or six that haven't been um, identified, and that is just agonizing. You could say, like, oh, my child fits the description of this crazy psychopathic killer and was in the area at the time, so yeah. maybe that's where they went, or maybe we'll never even know. Yeah. Well, I mean, and then especially with like travel being so prevalent, well, not now, but um, even just like, hey, could he have picked up my child in Italy? Like, did he like we were on a vacation in Italy and I heard he was on a vacation in Italy. Could he have picked up my child? Um, Like there were so many people that were asking and some parents like knew that their child like that's definitely what happened to my kid and others were just looking for answers yeah um but because henley had known many of these boys he was able not just to identify them but also tell the police exactly where they were buried um an excerpt from the la times said quote quote billy's buried there end quote henley said weeping as he pointed to one grave It held the remains of William Lawrence, a 15-year-old musician who had gone off to play with a rock band earlier in the summer and never returned. Mm. Henley had struck up a friendship with the boy shortly before he vanished, end quote. So in July 1974, Henley was convicted of six murders and given six concurrent life sentences. Brooks was convicted of one murder and also sentenced to life in prison. They have been denied parole a fuck ton of times they are still behind bars today odds are they're not getting out um at the time of henley and brooks's convictions only 21 bodies had been identified that's in 1974 
Over the next 20 years, three more would be identified thanks to advancements in forensic science. So now there are three that still need to be identified. Mm -hmm. And former Harris County Lieutenant Ed Goad later said of Henley, quote, I think he could probably show you where more are if he wanted to, but there's no incentive for him now, end quote. So there's a strong consensus that those weren't Coral's only victims. It was at least 27 victims. Yeah. Um, and until then, artists' reconstructions of the faces of these boys, who are known as ML73-3378, ML73-3349, and ML73-3356, are on missing persons websites in case anybody can identify them. Jeez. Yes. And they are apparently listed also as like the oldest bodies at the like that need to be identified in Mm. harris county yeah yeah so that's super fun really enjoying ourselves that's the story and moving on to the pop culture side of things which is not quite as fun or or not as fun as we were hoping (laughs) what i mean is like not quite as fun as we would like it's not none of this is fun it's not like none of this is fun that's not what i'm trying to say i'm saying if you're looking for a cheer up from the pop culture side this ain't it chief yeah, um, everything's pretty depressing. It's all depressing. So in 1974, two books were published that recapped the crimes, Mass Murder in Houston by John K. Gurwell, and then the much more well-known, where a lot of this stuff is sourced from, Jack Olson's The Man with the Candy, the story of the Houston mass murders. Mm. And both of those have a 3.8 out of 5 on Goodreads. Surprisingly, with these books that I'm mentioning, not a lot of people have reviewed them. I don't know how many have read them. I've seen like that they're all basically for sale on Amazon. Okay. But not a lot of people have read them. Um, Then in 2015, Kimberly Christian published a book on the murders titled Horror in the Heights, the True Story of the Houston Mass Murders, which has a three out of five or yeah, three out of five on Goodreads. And then Jack Rosewood published a book on both Coral and his crimes titled Dean Coral, The True Story of the Houston Mass Murders, which has a 3.3 out of 5 on Goodreads. And again, like 11 people have reviewed these books. Um, But still, if you want to check them out. Yeah. Uh, And then as far as television goes, um, the ID channel has a docuseries called Most Evil. And that focused on the Houston Mass Murders in their episode Manipulators. And it featured an interview with Henley, that was conducted by former forensic psychologist Chris Mohandy about the murders. Mm-hmm. So if you want to like see a little bit of that, that's where you can look. And then our favorite murder series starring our favorite King George, Mindhunter, mm-hmm. also mentions the Houston mass murders in an episode. And then for film in 2003, the movie Freak Out was released and it's Loosely inspired by the Houston mass murders and primarily focused on the last night of Coral's life when he mm-hmm. was trying to kill Williams and Curly and Henley. Um, but it all takes place before Henley shoots him and calls the police. Okay. And it has a 6.6 out of 10 on IMDb. And that is pretty much it. It's like everywhere and nowhere. Okay. Um, apparently it was pretty universally panned, but the gentleman who starred as henley also directed and 
he n- n- no he was given rave reviews for his uh or he didn't star as henley he starred as coral okay um he was given rave reviews for his portrayal Oh, all right. But the movie apparently people did not like, but it's got a 6.6 out of 10 on IMDb. So, I mean, you be the judge. Yeah. If you can find it, go for it. And then the Houston mass murders were also featured in a 1982 documentary titled The Killing of America. Uh, It has a 7.6 out of 10 on IMDb, an 84% Google score, and a 66% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. And it kind of just talks about, like, you know, not just the Houston mass murders, but it's how it plays a role and, you know, in the killing of America. (laughs) And finally, perhaps well-known, even though it's mostly based on a short story titled The Forgiven, Forbidden, not Forgiven, The Forbidden from Clive Barker's novel Books of Blood, the 1992 horror film The Candyman, starring Tony Todd as the titular Mm. character, alliteration, is loosely based on this case. Oh, all right. It's very loosely based, but it's, first of all, it's included as being loosely based on IMDb, which I know isn't like the end all be all, but like people have to like vote on what's legitimate and they will take shit down. Like when I talked shit about Firefly Lane having that trivia that Catherine Heigl dyed her hair for the role and Sarah Chalk did not dye her hair for the role, those got taken down by IMDb for being bullshit. Well and I was like, hell yeah. Happy International Women's Day. Um, I know I'm a week late. Just let me have it. But in the movie, the killer preys on the vulnerable inhabitants of the Chicago projects and uses that like scenario, that scene, that that area setting. setting. Thank you, as a like way to get his victims. Okay, and this was similar in economic status and in like mo to the Houston Heights area where Coral preyed on his own victims. Um, and additionally, the Candyman in the movie attacks young people like Coral did, um, not young people like Coral, though he was also young, but, um, so it has a 6.6 out of 10 on IMDb an 84% Google score, a 75% tomato meeting and 62% audience score on, what did I say? (laughs) You said tomato meeting, tomato meter rating. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what. It's all right. Your brain just I, fried. I short circuited. Yes. I, it's been a long day. Let me tell you. So, uh, okay. So, <laughs> 75% tomato meter rating. There you go. And a 62% audience score yep, on Rotten go. Tomatoes, with the critics' consensus being, quote, Though it ultimately sacrifices some mystery in the name of gory thrills, Candyman is a nuanced, effectively chilling tale that benefits from an interesting premise and some fine performances. So there's that. And additionally, the Candyman like movie is being remade by Jordan Peele. Yep. Was supposed to come out last year. Now it premieres this August. If all goes to court, uh, I can't speak today. If all goes according to plan. That's what I meant. Yep. So I heard about that. Very exciting. Yeah, that's something to look forward to. I'm looking forward to it. You're not going to watch it. No, but I'm looking forward <laughs> to the synopsis, I will say. Or the, not the synopsis, but like the general, like, 
background sounds very interesting because it sounds almost like it might be an origin story uh-huh. or like like the caller is coming inside the house vibes like he's heard about the candy man but the dude also might be the candy man i don't know jordan peele fuck shit up man like i'm here for it regardless i feel I will... like it'll be more of a thriller than a horror which was what get out was i feel yeah that's more of his mo so i feel like you'll be able to watch it then maybe i mean get out i definitely hit to pause Right. I, I'd be like, oh, no, I need to get some water. <laughs> Good. <laughs> oh, excuse me, please. It's like when I go hiking and I'm like, oh, oh no, I untied my shoe for the fourth time. Let me just take 15 <laughs> oh, no. minutes of heavy breathing as I try to retie it. And what is it again? Like, ra- uh, bunny goes around the hole. Oh, no, can't remember. Can't tie my no. shoes. Better take a rest. No, got to turn around and go home. Yeah. <laughs> So, but yeah, so that is the story of the Houston Mass Murders by Dean Coral, aka the Pied Piper, aka the Candyman. Very fun. And Not fun. Tell at all, them what they've won, Haley. I would say if you want a very in-depth uh, talk of this case, the last podcast on the left did like I think a three-part series on it, where they yeah. get into like nitty-gritty details of the case. So this is just a general overview. Because we also talk about the, like the pop culture stuff, but yeah. Um, yeah, I'm so surprised that this has not gotten more attention. Like, why do we have ten Ted Bundy docs and nothing on this case? It's it's well, pretty who crazy. Knows? Who knows? Maybe that's what Joe Berlinger is looking for next. Maybe that's what he's working on. We I don't want, know. I want Joe Berlinger to just take a seat for a moment. <laughs> I'd like him to temporarily retire, please. He did a four part doc on a case that should have been maybe one maybe one episode of something so i can't imagine he would make like a a whole series on this case yeah no but then again you never know he he managed to make a whole series out of the elisa lamb case granted we all saw what that turned into but yeah yeah who knows let's get let's get like ken burns Let's have Ken Burns do it. Yeah. With Jeff Goldblum narrating. That'd be cool. I'm here for it. We'll produce it. I was going to say, tap me to produce. Here we go. Uh, Well, that's that for this week. Mm -hmm. Um, You can go to the website, crimeculturepodcast.tumblr.com. You can go to our Instagram, our Facebook, our Twitter. You can email us crimeculturepod at gmail.com and uh who was this uh episode requested by hang on let's find out i believe autumn requested it but i could be wrong i could be lying both of these are true not just for this particular situation but to my character we try to write down Um, who requested stuff just to be like hey we see you it was requested by Paige. i'm sorry Paige. Paige. i assumed i did the ass thing because autumn's in texas it was Paige. Paige wanted it hi Paige. love you Paige. so sorry Paige. Paige, do you perhaps go by autumn (laughs) like is that your nickname perhaps (laughs) i don't think maybe i wasn't wrong (laughs) um i don't know i don't know yeah, but hi everybody. Hi, thanks Crystal. for requesting. So we do, guys. We do requests when they come yeah. in. Eventually, eventually, eventually. Give it us a minute. It takes a minute. 
Yes, it takes a minute. We've got, we've got, Haley, what are we up to next August? Not like August 2021, August 2022. Is that what we're up to for scheduling? Yeah, pretty much. It's, I a, mean, it's something crazy like that. Yeah. Things can we schedule things out. Things can obviously be moved here and there, but this is the year of the wedding. Mm-hmm. So uh, mm-hmm. things are very strictly planned. She beats me. Did. Oh, I and uh, <laughs> status update. I got yes. my vaccine. <gasps> on monday I'm like i don't know this i'm so happy for you though that's so good please go get vaxxed if you can if you there can if you're if your health enables loopholes. you to if you're able to be uh put in line for a vaccine do it i got the johnson and johnson vaccine a nice one and done so i'm very excited about that um i would say if anyone is interested my symptoms were um not bad um I had neck pain for about two days. Like it was, it was pretty bad, and it, it, like it's still kind of lingering. Like today is Sunday, and I got it on Monday, so it's almost been a week that I've had it, and like I still have like like the slightest neck pain. No, that's just the Bill Gates chip making its way to your neck and settling in all nice and sweet, so that they can track you. That don't worry about it. It's nothing. It's nothing. I go from here to work, so fucking track me. <laughs> You're going to be bored as shit. It's true. I can track her whenever I want. Right. Um, and if you if you are looking to get the vaccine, I know it's really difficult out there. A couple tips. First of all, if you have ever at one point in your life been told by a shithead doctor that according to the bogus BMI calculator, you are overweight, you probably qualify for the vaccine. Some of them have it in tiers. So like if you're over like a 35 and or sometimes whatever. it's state to state that it doesn't you don't qualify in every state. We're talking yes. specifically US here. If you are from another country, chances are you had it and everything's it, yes. open and you're great. <laughs> um and, but and that's another thing though that that you reminded me of and thank you. Um in some states also they are not requiring you to provide proof that you have a underlying issue where you need to be bumped to the front of the line, whether that's asthma, whether that's a an autoimmune disease, um, any, any kind of invisible illness, you do not have to provide in some states, you're going to have to check for your own, but you don't have to provide any proof or documentation. Um, I believe California, that's the case. Uh-huh. Um, but just, just check it out. And if you're really dying to get a vaccine, CVS, Call them half an hour before their pharmacy closes. Um, sometimes it's more than that. Sometimes it's less than that. They'll tell you, though, and you can call and be like, hey, do you have any leftover vaccines? And if your pharmacist is nice and not an epic raging bitch like the one by me, they will say, yes, we do. And yes, you may have one because you don't sound like you're 16 and therefore don't qualify. Goodbye. Hang up. Not that that happened. Um, But also you can sign up for the, so it's the standby list. There's a bunch, but the big one is HTTPS colon slash slash high HI doctor B like boy dot com forward slash. And you can sign up. Basically, it'll text you to confirm and then it'll text you when a vaccine near you becomes available, you just have to respond within 15 minutes to reserve it and then haul your ass over to wherever they tell you to go. Perfect. Yeah. I'm really, I'm desperate for a vaccine. I almost got vaccinated this week 
and then they canceled all of the vaccine appointments because there were so many fraudulent vaccine appointments that they just decided to be like none for anybody so i am getting a little desperate it's coming we're gonna be more desperate we're gonna be okay we're gonna be okay i'm gonna french the shit out of you when i see you yeah yeah i'm gonna blast uh particles all over everybody yes oh please extra for me yeah okay and that's when we'll do our um true crime tour of i was about to say are you announcing a live show that i don't know about no (laughs) we're doing our own two-person true crime tour of los angeles but also eating all of the tacos it's the taco tour hashtag taco Taco tour 2021 true crime true crime taco tour 2021 How's anyone, that for alliteration? Yeah. If anyone's in the uh, Los Angeles area and they want to uh, join us on that, we'll quadruple T, <laughs> we'll be talking tacos and true crime. TBD. Yeah. We don't know when that when that is. Whenever you get right, vaccinated. So, so now it's the Taco True Crime Tour 2021 TBD. Yeah. So how many T's is that now? <laughs> Too many. Anyway. Ah. <laughs> so that was Dean Coral. We're Crime Culture, and we're going to see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Did we ever introduce ourselves? No. It's fine. Next time. All right. Okay, bye. I'll just leave you wondering. Bye.